<laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Michael Banks, and you're listening to Leadership Luminaries from People Smart. Today, uh, this uh, interview with Esther Stanhope, Stanhope is going to be all about feeling confident as a speaker. And of course, this is especially important currently when we're moving more and more towards, in fact, at the moment, pretty much totally virtual communication, which is relevant for anyone who's leading a virtual team, um, people that are running companies and so on, that they come across effectively. So having said that, PeopleSmart uh, is the uh, pro producer of this show. And PeopleSmart provides innovative learning solutions to organizations in many countries, cultures, and languages, focusing on leadership and people development in the context of digital transformation, change management, culture change, and the increasing need for emotional intelligence. So today, as I mentioned her already, my guest is Esther Stanhope. Esther is an international speaker, an award-winning author, a personal impact expert, and former BBC producer, who's helped Hollywood stars, politicians, and business leaders radiate charisma live on air. She's interviewed Madonna, George Clooney, and produced shows with Boris Johnson in a live studio. Esther now helps professionals to speak like a leader, from FTSE 100 firms like Barclays, JP Morgan, and Deloitte, as well as MPs at the House of Commons. Esther speaks all over the world, from Canada, Harvard University, to Tel Aviv, Paris, and her book, Goodbye Glossophobia, Banish Your Fear of Public Speaking, has just won the highly commended award at the British Business Book Awards 2020. So, it's very topical that we're talking, or Esther will be talking to us about tips that apply to speaking on camera and on Zoom, something we've all had to learn during this uh, transition into virtual communication. So please sit back and listen to her many quirky tips on how to speak like a leader in any scenario. So let me welcome the impact guru, Esther Stanhope. Great to have you on the show, Esther. Yay! Oh, I feel like I, that deserves a round of applause, Michael. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you that. very much for having me. It's, it's great to be here and in this virtual world. And here we are. All, it feels like we're in the same room as each other. And yet we're not. We're, we're doing right. it virtually. Absolutely. Yes, we are. And uh, we've got a lot to cover today. So I'm going to get straight into some, uh, some juicy questions. Uh, <laughs> we, I just want to give everyone a preview that we... I'll be asking Esther a little bit about herself and where she, how she's arrived at this point. I'll also be... Um, talking to Esther or asking her to talk about some celebrities she's interviewed and why they're charismatic or not. Um, and also, uh, primarily, we're going to be talking about these tips. So first of all, big question, Esther, can you learn to speak like a leader? Surely you're either born with that skill or you're not. That's a, that's a lot of people ask me that. Surely if you're charismatic or you can walk into a room like Bill Clinton and effortlessly hold people's attention and have people looking up at you going, oh, wow, that's so amazing. Well, you know what? You can learn how to speak like a leader. Mm -hmm. And that's, if you can't learn it, then I'm out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So are you maybe, Michael. Yes. As you know, you're in, you, you help people develop their, their confidence. You help people develop in their careers and develop as a leader. Mm -hmm. And you can develop these skills. 
and I don't think we're necessarily taught them until quite late into our careers and nobody ever comes up to you in your career and has, waves a magic wand and taps you on the head and says ding you are now an accomplished leader yes. you may go and take to the podium <laughs> you know you kind of make a few mistakes and mumble your way through meetings and fail a few times and then the experience with experience you kind of gain the confidence to, to speak up more um I'll, I'll let you into a, a secret. I was a very nervous speaker. And for many years, even as a, as a senior producer at the BBC and part of the senior management team, I was not a confident public speaker. And I was not a confident leader in terms of, I was not confident standing in the spotlight and being the, the spokesperson for a long time. It wasn't until I left the BBC, started my business to help people with their confidence and with their speaking, that I realized that I had to, do it. <laughs> and I remember one of my clients from a law firm, she said, oh, Esther, we've got this um, women in leadership um, networking event. Could you come and speak at it? And I said, what do you mean speak? And she said, you know, you come and be our speaker. And I thought, oh, be your speaker? How many people? She said, oh, oh it's only around 40 people. I thought, oh, 40 people? <laughs> and, and even though I'd, I, I've obviously being in broadcasting, I've been on camera a few times. I've done voiceovers. I know how to do it. I have done presentations um, at the Edinburgh Television Festival um, in the past, and, and I've done presentations about producing shows and about youth programming and those sorts of topics. And I absolutely hated it in the past. Hated doing presentations. So, I, so in answer to your question, I'm living proof that you can learn to speak like a leader. And you can go from dreading it and actively not speaking in public and addressing a, a difficult audience to getting really good at it and being really confident. So, yes, anyone can do it. Okay, anyone. That's, that's very, very encouraging. Um, but how did you get over your glossophobia? So, yes, the word glossophobia is the fear of public speaking. Glosso is the ancient Greek word for tongue. So um, it, it means tongue as in mother tongue or language, the fear of speaking. Um, I got over it purely from, I, I think the word now is exposure therapy. And that doesn't mean you expose yourself. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you imagine the audience naked either. That's not a good tip. Um, exposure therapy is when you face your fear. So feel the fear and do it anyway. And, and that there's a beautiful book by um, Susan Jeffers um, by the same name. I faced my fear and I did actually fail a few times and I still fail sometimes, but I have, I made myself do it and I knew I had to be good at it because I thought I've got to walk the talk. I've got to be able to walk the talk. I can't help people to speak like a leader and work with politicians. And, you know, I've, I've produced shows with Boris Johnson and Alistair Campbell, and I've interviewed all these Hollywood stars. I know how to do it and I know how to help them. Mm -hmm. But when it came to me being in the spotlight, I really struggled and my mind went blank. I would have sleepless nights. I'd have to visit the bathroom a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really struggled with it. Um, but all I can say is I, I did learn my own way of how to combat those nerves. There are loads of tips on how to combat nerves. Right. I can give you a list of them or you can sign up to my website and I can send you tips every week. But there's a couple of really, really good tips. I mean, 
there's a mindset tip, which is a long-term tip, which is really, it's okay not to be perfect. It's okay to have a go and not be perfect at first. You won't be perfect at first, but keep going, keep doing it, keep practicing and always start small, start with a small group. And then the group might be eight or nine or 10, and then it gets to 12 or 15. Then you, the group might re- go to about say 20, you might do a classroom style session for, with 25 people and you slowly build up. Don't try and go and do the O2 center immediately. Right. So, so let me, here's my interpretation of what you're saying. First of all, obviously practice, 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 right? Uh, yeah. I think that's something you mentioned in, in your book as well. Yes. There's a little uh, piece on that. Uh, but here, here's the thing. I mean, you're talking about get, you know, have the fear and, get, and do it anyway. Yeah. People tend to get overwhelmed by their feelings. Uh, and, and it sort of pushes them back into themselves. So they become self-conscious, I suggest. And then, but what I think you're also talking about, when you talk about practice, you're talking about uh, putting energy out. And when you put energy out, you, surely you actually, by, you go through your fear. I mean, I, I remember Laurence Olivier being quoted as saying that after 50, Sir Laurence Olivier, after 50 years of acting professionally, he still got nervous every time he went on stage. But he knew that to go through the fear is to put energy out and focus on your audience rather than focus on yourself. Can you comment on that? Oh, I love that. Dear Larry, Larry, darling. <laughs> the Laurence Olivier, I love that. I, I think, I mean, I've heard lots of Hollywood stars. Um, Will Smith was quoted, you know, as in, you know, the men in black, Will Smith, the Hollywood yeah. actor, was quoted like, oh, I'm just waiting for somebody to, to tap me on the shoulder and say, you're rubbish because I'm feeling <laughs> the fear every day. I feel the fear. Yeah. Um, yes, I, look, I think the main thing there is you're normal, you're human if you feel fear. You feel out of your comfort zone. Um, I've, I've been on a quest and on a journey to find out what is that comfort zone? What, why are we afraid mm-hmm. to put ourselves out there? What is that fear? It's weird. Why are we, why is it built? 75% of us suffer from glossophobia, including, it says in the dictionary, Prince Harry. <laughs> <laughs> talking about Sir Lawrence Olivier now I'm talking about Prince Harry yeah. I mean, it's a normal it's a normal feeling that feeling of feeling worried about being judged worried about being you feel almost naked you feel like a rabbit in the headlights vulnerable you're 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 showing yourself you're yes. putting yourself in a in a position where the you know and when I was talked to psychologists about this they say it's about going back to basics and your brain will feel fear if it feels that the tribe are going to put you outside the tribe and they're going to all look at you yes. and say, mm, I don't know if you're <laughs> part of our tribe anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if your tribe reject you or to feel that you're not good enough, you know, that could mean death. Yes. So your brain is going, <gasps> it's leaping around going, oh my goodness, I might die, I might die, I might die, I might die, I might die. So, so it's that, I think that's what glossophobia is. It's that feeling of, I will die if I don't, you know, just the feeling <laughs> vulnerability. It's very primordial, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, but it's okay, it's normal. And, and I think what Sir Lawrence yeah. Olivier fought through it. And, and I, used to, I used to really, really, really not like the sensation of nerves. Mm-hmm. And I really felt sick, really badly. Well, you went to the toilet but, many times, right? And I went many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah i've got i've got lots of going to the toilet stories but we won't go into that no. point is it's human it's a human condition yeah um but then i i there's a few things that i've learned one is i know that it actually doesn't mean death in real life yeah in this day and age it doesn't mean death to be speaking in public <laughs> it might mean humiliation you know it might mean failure but it doesn't mean death um i also have learned that when you're cause and your message overtakes your worry about um your inhibitions that's a really good mindset to to, to work towards thinking well how, how important is my message so when i realized that i was giving tips just say for example if it was a women in leadership scenario i'd walk into an event and the women would, would be sipping their wine waiting for me to to talk to them and they'd come up to me and one time a woman came up to me and I was really nervous and a woman came up to me. And she went, Oh, are you, are you the speaker? Oh, I can't wait to hear the tips about confidence. And, and, and I heard that you interviewed George Clooney. I can't wait to hear what you say about him. I can't wait to hear. I thought that woman hasn't got a clue how nervous I am. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, actually, that's more important than my nerves is giving her my tips and, and telling her stories about George Clooney. That's right. more important right now than my nerves and that was one of my moments of joy and one of my moments of realization and confidence and i thought come on you're here to to, to give people help you're here for, for your tips you're here for your experience you know what's more important that's more important yes than, than your personal worry about will i fail will i i might exactly. you know i'm not good enough exactly uh, i think i think that's so, that's so great what you're saying because i mean i think that you know, taking this into the corporate world, um, mm. you know, you have to think about, you know, what, what do I want to give here rather than what I want to get in terms of uh, adulation. If I don't get adulation, I'm going to be a failure. But it's, it's about sort of taking the focus off yourself and thinking about what you have to offer, as you say, the message you want to get across and how you're going to yes. help other people. Um, it's interesting that you, I mean, you're kind of getting to this anyway. Can you learn to be confident? I mean, you're extremely confident. Um, well, actually, Michael, funny, funny you should say that. Again, I've been on a quest about this confidence issue because yeah. a, a lot of leaders don't feel confident straight away when it comes to standing up and leading and being a confident leader. Right. And, and then, then I looked into the word confidence. I thought, what, what is confidence? It's self-efficacy, <laughs> the belief that you can achieve what you are planning to achieve. So, so the, the point there is that you can be confident in something. You, you're not necessarily a confident person, 100% confident in everything. For example, I'm not a confident skier. I can't ski. <laughs> not, I don't know why I thought about skiing. No. <laughs> but you know, that's a, you know, I'm not a very, you know, I'm not confident at all aspects of life. I'm not a confident singer, for example. Right. Um, but I'm a relatively confident um, chef. You know, I'm relatively good at cooking. I'm a confident driver. Um, and now I'm a confident speaker. But I was not a confident speaker before. And I was not a confident driver when I first started driving. And I was talking to a colleague the other day about confidence and speaking and, and also the confidence on going on Zoom, the confidence of virtual, oh dear, something's going crash in the background, the confidence of being in a virtual environment and virtually conversing in a, speaking in public, but over Zoom or over Microsoft Teams or um, Blue Jeans or whatever. And, and we were talking about a lot of people don't feel confident in that scenario. 
I certainly didn't feel confident when I first had to go live to 750 people via a Zoom link. Wow. <laughs> that was pretty terrifying. And that's quite yeah. a recent event. But I was talking to, the, to a colleague and we were talking about, so what is it, you know, how did you get confident? And, and what, was, what made you want to throw yourself into this, this fear and into, you know, why did you, what, what, what helped you? And I remember think, and I said, I remember when I first learned to drive and I was only 17 and I really, really wanted to drive because driving a car and I'm from London. So I had to pass my test in London and, you know, like driving around West London, which isn't very easy. And I remember I, I did all my lessons, but I was a very unconfident driver. And I remember coming out of my house and watching somebody with their car keys effortlessly walk down the road holding their car keys and effortlessly unlocking their car and just getting into the driving seat on their own without a chaperone and just starting up that engine and, and driving off into the sunset. Yeah. And I remember thinking when I was 17, I wish I could just saunter up the road with my car keys and get into a car on my own without supervision and just drive off without anyone helping me unpark my car <laughs> without anyone saying hang on let me let me tell you when the traffic's not there you know and I felt so unconfident and about driving and it, it terrified me every time I got in a car and I remember thinking when I passed my test I shouldn't really be allowed on the road <laughs> I'm not confident with this at all yes. and it took me probably I don't know two years to to get confident driving where I never really went you know with the point where you don't think about it and then I realized that's happened to me in terms of speaking on a stage and in terms of virtual speaking. And now I'm a virtual host, yes. you know, and I speak to all, all over the world and the people can tune in from all over the world. It doesn't freak me out anymore. And I think when I was a live producer, when you're in charge of a live show, you, you know, the, the thought of going live has the same effect on you. You, you think, oh, we're going to go live. We're going to go live. And, yes. and then after week two, you're, you're like, okay, we're going live in a minute. Okay, come on, everyone, get me a cup of tea. And you're kind of relaxed. You're just going live. Yes. And it's not a big deal anymore. And I think um, it, it, it's just hours behind the wheel. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I'm just um, looking at the list of questions I've got for you. And <laughs> I've got to say, <laughs> I want to make sure we get through them all because there's some really great ones coming up. Uh, okay, well, I, I can be succinct, Michael. I, I know, I, I know I can. you can. I'm just, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that because I'm thinking you're being overly verbose. I just, just want to make sure we get through everything. Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions now about uh, very sort of practical questions about, first of all, about leadership and speaking like a leader, uh, and tips, and especially in the lockdown that we're experiencing currently. How do you figure out, first of all, how do you figure out how to help a CEO or a senior leader in an organization to speak? Um, because there are so many different types. I mean, you've got uh, the Boris type, the Teresa type. Can you explain that? Yes. I mean, the main rule of thumb, and, and the, you know, there's not one size fits all, clearly, because we're all different people. Where we come from different cultures, we're different shapes and sizes and skin tones, you know, so clearly we're, it, it's going to be different for everyone. However, my main rule of thumb is that you have to find your way. You can't try and be like somebody else. Mm -hmm. So what I figure out when, I, when I'm speaking to my clients is, what is the best way to help them as an individual? So a really, really good thing, a really good exercise, a good practical exercise that you can do, and anyone can do this, is just think, 
what who am i and what do I, what do i bring to the party what do people get so a good question to ask yourself is how would people describe you when you're not there so you know you know he's tall he's charismatic or she's really bubbly or you know what what how would they describe you and and it's about knowing that being aware of it and if you don't like it <laughs> Yeah. Um, like Michelle Obama talks about her personal brand and I went to see her at the O2 um, she, she didn't like the way people were describing her in, uh, initially because they were describing her as you know, really masculine aggressive like a gorilla you know horrible horrible um, descriptions of her and she was reading about this stuff and she was thinking I'm reading about this person and I don't even know who this person is and so she realised I'm going to have to design this person that they talk about now. And right. it's just the learning point there and the practical tip there is decide what your personal brand is. Decide who you are, what you stand for. Are you a people person? Are you bubbly? Are you, do you have humor? Are you witty? Are you a strong pioneer? Are you creative? What kind of person are you? And, and that, that's, those are description words that, that are quite generic, but they will be words that you can describe yourself that aren't so generic you know like I, i've you know i know i've been described as a little bit bonkers <laughs> in a, a fruitcake a box of frogs whatever quirky um and then and i used to fight that a bit i used to think oh no you know then all that awful paranoia used to come out am i a fool am i coming across as the fool well you know what I mean, maybe i am a bit quirky maybe i am a bit a bit of a box of frogs. Right. I'm a bit out there. I'm a bit left field, but that's part of my brand. You know, you're always going to get something a little bit different with me. I'm not going to be the sensible, very, very polished. <laughs> I'm yes. never going to be polished. No matter how hard I try, I'm not going to be that slick, polished, tall. You know, I'm quite small and the, the way I look is slightly, you know, not, I'm not, polished yes. that's not my brand and it's about just accepting that and taking what you've got and but polishing that so polishing up the the warts and all polishing up the bits that aren't so perfect and being that and living that and celebrating that well so so um, really what you're talking because mm. here's the thing i esther i think that one of the most powerful things that a human being can work on and one of the most compelling and attractive aspects of a of a leader is being mm. fully and truly authentic. And I think, because yes. I asked you the question, you know, how do you figure out how to, how to help a CEO or senior leader to speak? Mm. What you've just been talking about in the last two or three minutes is really, I think, having, facilitating or helping that individual to fully be themselves uh, and, yeah. and, and, and then being it. Is that, that's really what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, and, and actually, it's funny. Um, it, it reminds me of I went to this writing workshop um, last year. I always like to do some lessons myself because I like to learn a lot. That's one of my quirks. I like I, I, my, I like my brain to be in use. I like to fire up different parts of my brain. Yes. It's like I've got this weird challenge <laughs> thing going on. But I went to this um, lesson last year, and it was an excellent, excellent guy. Um, he, he runs a copywriting business, and it was about writing. And it's called A Thousand Monkeys, if, if you'd like. To, if you never need a copywriter or somebody to write fancy words for you, mm -hmm. Richard Spencer's brilliant. He's ex-advertising. Richard and I remember Spencer. Richard Spencer from A Thousand Monkeys, I think it's okay. called. Yeah. They helped me with some of my um, copy for, for the um, marketing of my book. So I remember I went into the, the, the lesson 
and it was in a hotel in London. And I said to Richard, oh, Richard, I forgot my notepad and I'm in a writing workshop for the day. Oh, no, what an idiot. And he looked at me, and he laughed and he said, huh. oh, don't worry about a notepad. We're not actually going to be doing writing, you know, for a <laughs> joke. And I thought, <laughs> oh, very funny, very funny. But he actually meant it. Right. He meant we're not actually going to be writing. And the point there is, and the tip there is, when somebody says, help me with my speech, you know, I, I feel like saying, look, mate, <laughs> don't talk about your speech. We're not actually going to be doing speaking today, you know. What we're actually going to be doing is figuring out who you are and why. What, why, what, what, what's the purpose? Everything other than the speech is more important than the, than the speech. So, so when it comes to speaking, I think people immediately think, oh, I get nervous on a stage. Tell me the script. Shall I have a script? Look at my script. Tell, give me feedback on the script. And it's like, yes. the script is the last thing I really want to look at. Brilliant. I mean, fine. I'm happy to edit a script. No problem. I'm happy to yeah. give people feedback on their current, their current um, communication. But it's not about the script. It is the journey to be a good leader and to speak like a leader. The journey that you go on in order to get that script at the end is self-discovery. And it's about what you want, how you want to come across and why and who's the audience. I love it. I lo I, honestly, I think what you're saying is, is just music to my ears. Um, uh, and so let's, let's get down to some. I know that you have a particular formula for... Um, speaking like a leader and can you just sort of briefly describe that and also and also again relate it to current virtual communication yeah of course i mean i've got a very very simple formula i've got a formula for everything michael okay. <laughs> i've got an elevator people like formula. that people like yeah it. i've got I, i'm not going to give you all my formulas in one go but i'll certainly give you my the basic okay. my basic formulas the, only the because them, sorry to interrupt but the rest of them that you can find in your book goodbye glossophobia right Absolutely. If you read yeah. the book, it's got, well, I, what I've done with the book is just, you could pick it up and put it down and, and just pick out any, any bit you fancy, like what does Obama do? The Obama um, donut theory. Um, what if I go red? What if I shake? What if I'm scared of failure? You yes. know, if you, you could just read one chapter and it would help you out. Right. Or um, how do I start? You know, and it's got a little formula to, for a good start. I've yeah. got formulas for how to introduce people, how, you know, how to speak in this scenario and, yeah how to speak on camera, but my, my general one size fits all formula that you can apply to yourself mm -hmm. is really, really, really simple. It's the three A's. Mm -hmm. And as they say in the U S it's triple A and triple A <laughs> in the U S means it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's triple A standard. That's yeah. why I call it the triple A formula. It's very, very simple. And it's really from all of my many years of broadcasting, working in television and radio. Um, it starts with the A, which means audience. And I think if you've worked in broadcasting, it's in your blood and in your brain every day. The audience will switch off if I don't serve them. Yes. So you always put the audience first before you do anything, before you pick up your pen, before you think about yourself or your script or your, or your camera or anything. The first thing you do is just think, who are my audience? Why do they care? Yes. And what you learn about the audience very quickly in broadcasting, because you get the data imminently and the data says oh look they switched off <laughs> and then you think oh my goodness it's brutal what you realize is that very very early on is that audiences are pretty much all over the world 
particularly in this world today, we've got a thousand things to look at. Um, people have very short attention spans and they don't really, they don't really care about you. Yeah. They care about themselves. Yes. So if there's not something in it for them, why should they bother listening? And, so, and this is where a lot of business people fall at the first hurdle where they think, right, I need to do this agenda. I need to do, we'll do the agenda. And the agenda doesn't really have anything that's audience friendly. Mm-hmm. It's just like blur, 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 blur. Or we'll have the Monday meeting. Why do we have the Monday meeting? Because we've always had a, run, a Monday meeting. Yeah, but why do you have a Monday meeting? Because that's what we do. What's, <laughs> it, what's in it for the audience? Right. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I've never even thought about that. <laughs> and if you don't make some, if you don't, you know, so some people just say, oh, we, we have bacon sandwiches on a Monday meeting. Okay, good. At least there's one reason to go to the Monday meeting. <laughs> it's the bacon sandwiches. And if you ask the audience, why do you go to the Monday me- meeting? I bet you any money bacon sandwiches is probably one on the list <laughs> right depending on which country you're in yes okay so so audience first and i remember this is true a true story i remember boris johnson used to come in when he was mayor of london into the the bbc radio studio because every month we would do the mayor's question times and i remember boris johnson who's now the british prime minister you know coming in late boom 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 crash 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 and i remember him saying so have you got any tips for me and I said, oh, yeah, 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 I have got a tip, actually. All you've got to do is love your audience a little bit more than yourself. And then the audience will love you. And he went, oh, not sure if I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if he actually answered that, but he kind of, what? Yeah. Huh? Love, love them more than I love myself? What? <laughs> it's brilliant. So that's a really good tip. That's a really good tip because love your audience more than yourself. In other words, serve your audience before you serve yourself, which means when you're going to present at the company town hall or the away day, think who are the audience? Why do they care? Yes. And that's your starting point, which is everyone knows that. But when it comes to communication, do we practice that? Do we practice what we preach? So A is audience. The middle A is the word that you've already used. Mm -hmm authentic yeah be yourself and there's loads of ways that you can bring yourself into your communication and when and in your speech yeah um you know i'm going to quote oscar wilde here be yourself because everyone else is already taken (laughs) (laughs) no warts and all be vulnerable it's okay not to be perfect yeah it's a great tip and and a good practical tip for me and i think particularly for perfectionists and I am in danger of being a perfectionist when it comes to myself. A really good practical tip is every morning, wake up and say to yourself, I'm going to be 80% perfect today. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually does help you. Yes. <laughs> and it and takes if, the pressure off, right? Yeah. If, you, if you're worried about speaking or being on, on a virtual masterclass, say, I'm going to be 80% perfect. I mean, I'm going to give it 100% of my effort but I'm only going to be aim for 80% perfection right. because you will never ever reach hundred percent perfection ever because nobody's hundred percent perfect. And then that brings me to my final A. So we've had audience authentic and the final A is quite simply awesome. How to be a little bit awesome. I lived in America for 28 years and, I was, I was going to say, you, that's, yeah, you know that. I was used to saying awesome all the time. And then I come to England and I'm going, oh my God, 
America has infected England. They're all saying awesome in England. Awesome. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, you know, the awesome. Lego movie. Everything yeah. is awesome. Everything <laughs> is cool when you're part of a team. So, um, yeah, oh, but the thing is, we all know what awesome means. And the other reason I quite like using the word awesome in this context is because it has that slightly that slight American message, which is, you know, being awesome. You know, it's about smiling and the body language, the non-verbals, the verbals. Americans have names for all this stuff. Yeah. Did you know that there was such a thing as non-verbal leakage? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the things you're doing with your body and you really don't want to be doing it. You know, yes. whether it's fidgeting or moving. And, and being awesome is really about posture, about smiling, about the way you look and the way you come across. Well, listen, and, let's get to, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting, but I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to now relate this to how you, you talk about how you come across. In Zoom world, to be Absolutely. Zoom fantastic and Zoom awesome, what about your yeah. appearance? And I don't just mean your hair or your clothes, or I mean everything about your appearance, your, your visuals, what about those? Absolutely. So this is where people are going wrong. They, they're assuming that with Zoom or with virtual meetings that there the, the requires no prep. And for some reason, you don't really have to dress smartly. <laughs> so people are rolling out of bed. I mean, my husband's working in, on, a, on a Hollywood film at the moment. And one of the head guys on the production uh, meet, in the production meeting turned up in a string vest. <laughs> I was like, is he trying to be like die hard? I mean, you can't wear a vest to a business meeting. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I'm just doing the garden, just doing the garden, sweaty in a vest. So um, it's not really acceptable. So um, my, this is where people are going wrong. They're not really doing the basic, basic housekeeping rules when it comes to being on camera. Basic rules are, um, you said not, it's not just how you look, what you wear. Okay, hair, wardrobe, makeup, practical tip. Yes, please. <laughs> That's it. Just think about it. Think about hair, wardrobe, makeup. Yeah. That's it. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Yeah, and also, by the way, I, I, that doesn't uh, exclude or preclude looking hip. Like, you know, for example, right now, a lot of people are suffering from long hair or hair that's not done, you know, men and women. And so yeah. there's a way, uh, I think, anyway, there's a way of looking cool with your longer hair or the way that your hair is. Uh, that doesn't mean Absolutely. to say you look messy, but it's just a different style. Absolutely. I mean, just think about it. You can make yourself look good, whatever you look like, whatever your hair is, whatever your colouring is. I mean, you can make yourself look presentable. You have yep. to work with what you've got, right? Yes. I mean, surely people can shave. It can't be that difficult to shave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about women. <laughs> oh, I mean, I did do a home. I did do a home dye, and um, my my daughter actually said, "Mum, remember to put the cream on." you know, around your head because the dye, you'll end up dyeing your head. And then of course, I'm not really a professional hairdresser. So of course there are splodges of, you know, <laughs> splodges of dye on my face. <laughs> um, you know, not, a but, good, not, not a good idea to try that no, out before you're talking to 750 people. No. So luckily I always dye my hair. I've decided now it has to be on a Friday <laughs> just in case it goes wrong. So I've got a couple of days to, uh, to, to make sure it's, it goes, I can, you know, remedy it. Right. So hair, wardrobe, makeup. Yes. Um, a big, big tip here about the shot. Um, people don't quite often, they just don't get the shot right. Um, the main rule of thumb is light needs to be towards your face, not behind your head. 
light in front of you, please. In an ideal world, you want three sources of light, one on the side, one on the front, one on the back. And if you really want to look flattering on camera, you want the light to be at a 45 degree angle. There you go. <laughs> but but the, the main easy peasy practical tip there is windows in front of your face, not behind you. Please find the light, find the light on your face. And a lot of people are just not doing the basics. That's true. <laughs> and the other basic um, shot is don't have messy stuff in the background. Just move the camera so it can't see the washing line. <laughs> and um, uh, eyes a third of the way down the screen. So any, you can have a long shot, a mid shot or a close up, but you want to line up your eyes mm -hmm. and imagine that you could split your screen into three sections horizontally. The, the, the top, you want your, your eyes a third of, of, of the way down the screen if you think yeah. about the screen in three sections right that's a really good tip and that's a tip i've only really learned in the last couple of years and it really works i'm la i'm laughing as i'm thinking the first time i saw my mother recently she's all i could see was the top of her head and she, right. and she was speaking as if she, i was you know we were having normal communication um, well, but, I mean, my mum, she literally was putting, she was trying to do a Zoom call on her mobile. She had a little head at the bottom of this long, you know, portrait style shot. And there's a little head at the bottom with just her eyes peeking out from the bottom. And then she starts trying to take photographs of, the, of, an, of, of her laptop with her mobile phone, but she didn't realise she's actually using her mobile phone to do. <laughs> it was a disaster. Yeah. Um, so the shot's really important and, and it's all about the light and the, and the positioning of your eyes. And, okay. and if you wear half decent clothes, try not to have washing in the background, yeah. you're good to go. Um, the, other, the other really good practical tip about virtual speaking and virtual meetings is to look into the lens, not the screen. When you are speaking to somebody, look into the camera lens. That's really important, but you feel really weird speaking to a dot but I've got very used to it now, but, but that's how you engage with your audience. You need to fit, your audience want to feel that you're talking to them. So right. really you need to learn how to work with the camera. And at first it does feel a bit weird and it's a bit scary, but after a while you just get used to it. This is amazingly helpful advice. Um, and I, hopefully our audience can, can apply it to their, you know, to their business activity day to day because they're, yeah. Pretty much, that's what we're doing all the time. Um, so thank you for all that tremendously helpful practical advice. I want to get to some juicy personal stories about people that everyone knows soon, so don't go away. Uh, we're talking to um, Esther Stanhope. I'm talking to Esther Stanhope. Um, she is the author of the award-winning Goodbye Glossophobia, which means goodbye fear of, being, of, of speaking in the public. Um, I'm Michael Banks the producer and host of this series, Leadership Luminaries um, by People Smart. And uh, we're going to go on for a few more minutes and we're going to be talking about some interesting personal uh, encounters Esther's had with well-known people. Just before that, one more uh, thing I'd like to ask you, Esther, is about the importance of storytelling, how it relates mm. to authenticity, how it relates to, to captivating an audience. And again, we're talking to people who are talking to teams that are spread out across the planet um, or even teams just spread out across one country. Um, 
So keeping people interested is very important. Where does storytelling come into this? Well, again, I've I've been on a quest to find out what what makes the best speaker, what makes the best leader, and and how can the leader captivate their audience and motivate their audience? Everybody's on a quest for charisma, and people people want to be the person worth listening to, and a lot of that is about finding yourself, but a lot of it is about captivating your audience, and storytelling is scientifically you know there's the science behind it storytelling without doubt is one of the most valuable tools that you have but people think they can't tell a story because they're not a creative it's just not true so i'm going to do a little experiment with you michael because it's very easy to tell a story first of all why tell a story because you are more likely to captivate your audience and bring them on a journey with you if you tell stories rather than dump data or information so so the art of storytelling is really really valuable when it comes to leadership and being able to move people you know as um maya maya angelo said i'm going to quote another famous person what did she say they won't remember what you said but they'll remember how you made them feel right how do you make an audience feel something tell them a story but listen the good news is it doesn't have to be difficult you can tell a story. Anyone can tell a story. And I'm going to tell you exactly how to do that really quickly and really effectively right now. Okay. So, Michael, I do this. If I'm doing a, a live event, for example, yeah. and, and a virtual event, I might do a, this little exercise. I'll say, do you know how easy it is to tell a story? And, and, and quite often if I'm working with bankers or I'm working with people that specialize in data analytics, they, they think... Oh, it's all right for her. She's from, you know, she's from broadcasting. She's got stories, but it's not true. Everyone's got stories. Okay. So I asked this question, do you think you can tell a story easily? And most people think, Ooh, no. <laughs> and their yeah. mind goes blank. So I say, okay, we'll pick a topic, pick a topic. So I get the audience to just pick a random topic. And sometimes it's shoes. Sometimes it's shopping, depending on who the audience. Are. I'm waiting. Go on then. So, Michael, pick a topic, any topic. You see, your mind's going blank now. Go on, pick any topic in the world, Um, any topic. Not too rude. BMW car. A car? Yes. Oh, BMW, did you say? Yes, I'm looking at it now out of the window. It's my car. Okay, okay, a car. Let's just say a car. Cars. Yes. That's our topic, right? Cars. So, if you're listening to this now, think in your head, cars. And now I'm going to get you to tell a story. You can say it out loud or think, think or write it down or just think of a story right now. I'm going to ask you to start your sentence like this. I remember one time when dot, dot, dot. Can I start? And the, and the topic is cars. And I'm going to give you a little help, little clue. It could be your first car. It could be your worst car. It could be a car crash. It could be the, your fantasy car or the first time you met your partner on the first drive you took or your parents' car or your grandma's car. The, the, the list is endless, but you just pick one and you're going to start your sentence. I remember one time when dot, 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 Michael, the topic is cars. You're going to tell me your story in five seconds and you're going to start the sentence. I remember one time when in three, two, one, go. I remember one time when my grandparents took me out for a, a Sunday lunch at my boarding school and they were driven, they drove me back in their chauffeur driven Rolls Royce. And I told my grandfather, 
don't stop, stop, drop me off here. I don't want everyone to see me in the Rolls Royce with Peter in his uniform and cap on. Oh, you see, now what you did there was that you immediately told us a story that had an unbelievably strong visual image. So I'm kind of picturing kind of Downton Abbey, I don't know, you know, like a, almost like a costume drama. Yeah. You know, I don't know what year it was, but I'm picturing a very kind of classic setting. Um, late 60s. So in the late 60s, right. And it, that's very funny because my grandma's second husband had a Rolls Royce. And, and I remember one time when my grandma told me my grandfather had been to the car wash with the dog, with the rolls. They used to call it the rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he went into the car wash and it said, you know, put your window up here. And as he was putting his window up, the, the window, the window, you know, there used to be a handle, didn't there? Yeah. Anyway, it came off. So he's, he left his window open, <laughs> but it was too late because the car wash had already started. So, and the dog got soaked. He got soaked. <laughs> and that was in the, that was a Rolls Royce story. So look, see how easy how easy was that? To remember yeah, that in story? fact, I had you know I was ready to tell you ten different stories. Like my yeah. first car was a Lada. Which yeah, was, yeah, was but the thing is, this isn't about give me a yeah. list. I didn't yeah. ask you to give me a list. No, I asked no, you to no. give me, and I know from my as you know, I, I I've got lists of I've got loads of content, and and I myself want to share twenty things, and I've learnt if you're going to tell a story tell a story and savor that story and if you can tell me what it smells like what it feels like what it looks like what it sounds like if you can add the five senses so a story about a rolls royce is brilliant because it does smell and you know it smells of old leather or petrol or there's a smell about it um and you can you can visualize it you can see it. You can feel it. How did you feel? Embarrassed. You were embarrassed in your story. Totally. Um, so, so you can put the five senses in and it's very, you can tell a story very quickly and it immediately brings the audience in. So that's my tip. Oh, tell a story cool. and start the sentence. I remember one time when, and share a moment that's relevant to that subject. Yes. Yeah, and you gave me five seconds. I was very worried about being able to do it in five seconds. I would have liked to elaborate a bit, but uh, but, but how? But you. how? But, but the point there is that was easy, wasn't it? It was, it was. easy to tell that story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. so 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 here here we go. Um, we, this is um, we're coming to the end, but I don't want to miss out on because if nothing else, I apart from the audience, I want to hear one or two of these stories. Um, so the one question then is, who was the most charismatic person you've ever met? Um. Oh, okay. So one of my favorite people that I've met, um, because I was a really big fan, um, was, well, Dickie Attenborough. You got, you can't, I've got to mention Dick, Richard Attenborough. Yeah. I just remember him, he's so tiny, and he held my hand for the entire interview. And I remember thinking, I can't put the sound up on my microphone because he's holding my hand. And yeah. I was just praying, that I had good sound level <laughs> and, and that, so that's a really quick answer I mean I've, I've met Danny DeVito I've met um, Lenny Kravitz I've met Joanna Lumley what was Joanna but, Lumley like I mean a lot of people yeah, love Ab Fab I, I loved Absolutely Fabulous and I've always loved Joanna Lumley and I've always admired her and I've got to say when I met her it was a charity thing and it was when you could smoke inside and she literally had a cigarette in a holder inside drinking a glass of champagne and, and, and it was it was I don't think she was the head person of the charity. I think she was more of a guest. So she could just come. And she literally called me sweetie. Oh, hi, sweetie. 
hi, sweetie. Oh, darling. Mwah. It was a husky like, voice. Yeah. And I said, can I interview you? She went, yeah, of course you can, sweetie. And I just remember thinking, oh, you are amazing. And she's tall and she was blonde and tall and slim and wafting around the room. She really was dynamite. And, and not that many people are dynamite in real life when you meet them. Well, what so makes George, her dynamite? What, what, what was the secret, do you think, to, to her charisma? Well, I think it's what I said to Boris Johnson earlier. Love your audience a little bit more than yourself. She had an air of generosity about her, an air of effortless confidence. And that's what makes a good leader, is when you don't have to force your personality. You don't have to be the centre of attention. You're just effortlessly owning that space and you're being very generous to the people around you you're loving the people around you yeah. and you're smiling and you're letting them in your space yes. and um and i would say that's the that's the kind of key so i have met um george clooney in real life right yeah. and, and it was very funny because he was sitting at a table with a baseball cap on and we, we we were expecting an entourage just a long time ago it was i think it was even he was probably just finishing in er at the time so it was before even you know his his massive film career, mm. um, and we were, we went to interview him at Planet Hollywood, and we thought he was late because we were expecting the entourage to turn up because George Clooney was the hunk of the moment. Yeah, and he was sitting there with his baseball cap on, and he could listen to he was listening to our conversation, and you know the paparazzi were going oh typical of oh, typical of the Hollywood stars they're always late you know <laughs> complaining about him, and he was sitting there and then he was like hi guys. I'm here. <laughs> I remember thinking, gosh, he's quite small. He's not really that good looking in real life. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it was very nice. But I know I mentioned George Clooney because quite often people say, you know, if you were walking into a networking event, how would George Clooney behave if he was walking into a networking event? Would he be worried about what people think of him? Would he be worried about people coming up to him? No, because he's effortlessly confident. He's effortless. And that's because he's, he's being himself. He's comfortable with himself, right? Yeah, yeah. He's comfortable with himself and he's got that beautiful warm smile and warm eyes. I think Joanne Lumley had that warmth. She's very warm and she's funny. So yeah. she's tall, elegant, really funny with loads of warmth. And actually, on my final tip about speaking like a leader and being a good leader yeah. is that you want to have power. So high status. And that's to do with your posture. It's to do with the way you behave. And it is to do with your voice as well. And it's not difficult to stand powerfully and, and be a powerful person. But really, it's you're even more powerful if you can add warmth to that power. So for me, power and warmth is the perfect leader. Wow, that's incredible advice. Um, and you're not going to get away with this. I've got, I have to ask you two more people very quickly. One is the uh, guy has always fascinated me, Noel Gallagher, and the other one is Boris Johnson. Okay, so Noel Gallagher, I actually did interview him. I was, I was a reporter at the time, a long time ago, just before Nebworth. And he was the lead singer of, no, not the lead singer, he was the main guitarist of Oasis with his brother Liam Gallagher. Yeah. Liam Gallagher is a total he literally would just put his two fingers up at you if you tried to interview him. <laughs> he would never be interviewed. But Noel Gallagher was like, yeah, yeah, you can interview me. And I remember I had to interview him outside his house and I'd never been sent to anyone's house before. It was my first 
doorstepping and I couldn't believe I had to doorstep somebody. So I went to doorstep him and he came out of his house. I went, oh no, I've got to interview him now. So I got my, my tape recorder out, pressed record and just went up to him and said, hi, Noel, uh, I know you've got this big concert on tomorrow. So, you know, how are you preparing? He's like, oh, you know, I just went in for the, just went in for the plumber because my toilet's blocked. <laughs> I was like, oh no, that's terrible. He said, yeah, I'm just going to buy a pint of milk, you know. And then I just, and then a few other fans were outside his house. In, it was in North London in St. John's Wood. Yeah. at the time and a few other fans came and then he carried on talking to me he was very generous stopped in the street we chatted about how he's is he, is he nervous he said he wasn't that nervous they've they've, they've been doing a sound check you know he's just checking up on which guitar he's going to take anyway i had maybe you know five minutes of his time and um then i just went home because it was evening so i went back to the, the um studio in the morning and this was i was making entertainment news for capital radio and quite a few radio stations and we went round in the morning meeting and my editor said, so what have we got on today? You know, what's going on? And, and, he, and, and they got to me and I said, oh, yes, uh, I, I interviewed Noel Gallagher. He went, what? I said, you told me to go to his house. Went, what do you mean? You, what, what? What? You interviewed? You got an interview on your own? What? What? How long? How long? How long? I went, well, not that long, you know, maybe five minutes. He was like... Got an interview for five minutes. Exclusive. It's exclusive. Get me the Sun. Get me the Daily Mirror. Get, get, ring up all the papers. Ring up Matthew Wright. Ring up everybody. I was like, it was only about you know, his toilet was blocked actually. <gasps> his toilet was blocked. This is gold dust. And he and, 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 and he was just going to buy a pint of milk. <gasps> He was buying a pint of milk. This is brilliant. Right, get on every single... <laughs> I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't realise that, you know, it was an exclusive. Oh, that's an exclusive. Okay, now I know what an exclusive is. So I've worked all these years, I've gone to university to get an interview in the street with some guy who's buying a pint of milk. That's <laughs> and that does it, yeah. Highlight of my career. Yeah. But the, the point there with Noel Gallagher is that he was really friendly really yeah. generous and very very understated you know very down to earth yeah. he really didn't he didn't have to try too hard <laughs> yeah oh it's great there's a common theme here isn't it warmth and friendliness and generosity um, yeah and, and, and there's a power and, and, in that yeah absolutely i think that it's really important to be power powerful and have a high status and and you know, I do quite a lot of exercises with my clients about status. We talk about status, but people think they've got to be <sighs> powerful. And, and women in particular kind of think, oh, no, you know, I can't be too powerful because I might come across as aggressive. Yeah. So it's really important to, to be powerful with warmth. Yeah. And finally, Boris, in, in a few words. In a few words, I mean, Boris Johnson is what I would call a wing it wonder. And Theresa May is somebody I would call a planarina. <laughs> so Boris Johnson, very intelligent, not a planner. He's a wing it wonder, but it doesn't mean that he's... It means that you, you're never quite sure what you're going to get with him. And sometimes that could be quite dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's very warm and he does like people. He genuinely likes people and he genuinely likes to entertain. Whereas Theresa May... She was absolutely planned to the letter. She oh. would not go off piste. She would not be budged. She would not move off her agenda. 
and which I think again I, I look at her and I think wow I don't know how you ever I don't know how you could live through being a prime minister it must have been so hard yeah but the but it's she is a bit of a turn off for the audience exactly yeah because she's a bit planned absolutely well look um Esther we're going to wrap up now and I definitely want you to repeat uh, uh well not repeat just tell the audience um how to get in touch with you um your book and and, and whatever you need to say to to promote yourself now and to allow people to in one way or another get in touch with you so can you go ahead and and speak to that question absolutely okay the easiest way the biggest plug for me is google me or just go to my website estherstanhope.com or just google esther stanhope e-s-t-h-e-r stanhope s-t-a-n-h-o-p-e estherstanhope.com you'll find me you'll find my website there's a contact form there you can you can find me easily and you'll you'll find my book on my website too and it's on special offer <laughs> great well um you have been an absolutely wonderful guest i mean that so sincerely i've learned a lot myself Thank you for all the advice, all the tips, all the, the practical uh, suggestions that you've given us. Um, and thank you for being warm, generous, and, and powerful in your communication. Well, Michael, thank you very much. And thank you for having such an excellent voice. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely a voice for radio. <laughs> Well, I know I've been told that all my life. I think I missed my vocation, really. I've been interviewed on radio and TV, but I've never actually... This is, for me, uh, I shouldn't be talking about this now, but I love podcasting, and it's finally... It's, I'm a bit of a late bloomer, and I've, I've found my niche. It's a sort of summation of all my talents and passions and interests and, and natural skills. And you know, to be able to talk to someone like yourself, it's a real pleasure. So, uh, again, thank you, and... And everyone, um, please join me in a virtual silent uh, round of applause for Esther Stanhope. I'll <laughs> fill it in. I'll fill in the gap. Right, fill it, Yay! Fill it in. Okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, all right. Take care. Bye-bye. You still there? Yes, of course I am. Okay, good. I think <laughs> I've stopped the recording. I'm not sure. If, uh, hang on a minute.